The seven gems set into the staff gleamed brightly, as though imploring their master to use their colossal might. Forget it, I'll take my time to think about that later. Mamanga released the staff he held, and the wavering staff fell to the ground. As though it were angry at him. In any case, as long as he acted the part of the leader, they would probably not raise their hands against him right away. Be it among animals or humans. Enemies would probably not attack if their intended prey did not reveal any weaknesses. Mamanga declared in a powerful voice, Pleiades. Apart from the maid selected to accompany Seabass, the rest of you will head to the ninth floor and repel any invaders from the eighth floor. Understood, Mamanga-sama. The maids behind Seabass acknowledged his orders respectfully. Begin immediately. Understood, my master. Once more the chorus of voices rang out. Seabass and the maids bowed once. More to their lord who sat upon the throne, then stood and left. Simultaneously. The giant doors opened, and then closed again. Seabass and the maids vanished beyond the doors. It was good that they had not replied with a no or something similar. A great weight seemed to lift off Mamanga's chest, and at the same time he looked at the person who had stayed by his side. That person was Albedo, who had stood by, awaiting orders. She smiled, and asked him, then, Mamanga-sama, what will you have me do? Next? Ah, uh, ah, uh, got it. Mamanga rose from the throne to retrieve his staff, and as he did that, he spoke. Come to me. Yes. The smiling albedo drew closer. Although Mamanga was wary of the black wand and orb she had been carrying, that caution passed in an instant, and he decided to temporarily ignore its existence. Just as Mamanga finished thinking, that, Albedo was close enough that he could embrace her if he wanted. She smells nice, wait, what am I thinking? Mamanga cast out the thoughts, which had rose up inside him again. Now was. Not the time for fooling round. He reached out his hand to touch Albedo's. MF. Hmm? A pained expression flickered across Albedo's face. Mamanga drew his hand. Away, like he had received an electric shock. What's this? Did I make her feel uncomfortable? Several bad memories ran through his mind, like being hit by loose change. That fell from the sky, but in the end Mamanga found his answer. Ah. Overlords required levels in the Elder Lich racial class, and among the abilities. Elder Liches possessed was the ability to inflict negative energy damage on anything they touched. Was that the reason? Although, even if it really was the reason, he still had some questions to ask. In Yggdrasil, the monsters and NPCs that appeared in the great underground tomb of Nazarick would be recognized as belonging to the Ains. Old Gown Faction Since every member of the guild was also flagged as belonging to Ains Old Gown, there should be no problems even if they attacked each other. Could it be that she no longer belongs to our guild? Or has friendly fire been enabled? The latter possibility was more likely. With that conclusion in mind, Mamanga apologized to Albedo. Forgive me. I forgot to deactivate my negative energy touch skill. 
please pay it no heed, Mamangasama. That damage hardly counted as damage. And as long as it were Mamangasama, I would gladly endure any kind of kia. Ah, uh, mm. Is that so? No, no, I must still apologize. Mamanga was caught off guard by Albedo's adorable yelp and the way she shyly covered her face, and his reply ended up being less dignified than he had hoped for. So it was due to the negative energy touch after all. Mamanga turned his eyes from Albedo, who was going on and on about how this was nothing compared to the pain of losing her virginity, and began thinking about how to temporarily deactivate the always-on skill, and then he suddenly knew how to do it. To Mamanga, who wielded the power of an overlord, it was as simple and natural as breathing. He could not help but laugh at the strange situation he found himself in. After all the shocks and surprises he had received so far, this was hardly worth panicking about. It was frightening how well he had adapted to his condition. I'm going to touch you. Ah. After deactivating the skill, he touched Albedo's hand. Thoughts like her. Hands so slim, her skin so white and so unraced through his head, but he cast aside these male desires and focused on one thing, the pulse at her. Wrist. It was there. It was a steady rhythm, lube-dub, lube-dub. She was a living being, so it was only natural. Yes, she was alive. Mamanga released her hand and looked at his own arms. All he saw was an expanse of polished white bone, bereft of skin or flesh. Because he had no blood vessels, he could not feel a heartbeat. Indeed, an overlord was an undead creature, a being that had transcended mortality itself, so obviously it would not have a heartbeat. He shifted his gaze to Albedo. Mamanga saw himself reflected within Albedo's moist golden eyes. Her cheeks were pink, probably because her body was rapidly heating up. The changes in her body surprised him. What's this? Is she not an NPC? Is she not pure electronic data? Why does she feel like a real person? What kind of AI could do this? More importantly, why is it that? Idrisil feels like the real world. Impossible. Mamanga shook his head in denial. There was no way such a fantastic scenario could have occurred. But once the idea took root, it was not easy to eradicate. Mamanga was not sure how to proceed given the changes in Albedo. The next step, yes, the final step. If he could confirm that, then all of his Predictions would be vindicated. Was this real life, or was this just fantasy? He had to do this. If she attacked him with that weapon of hers, it could not be. Helped. Albedo. I, may I touch your breasts? Eh? The air between them seemed to freeze. Albedo's eyes went wide. A wave of depression washed over Mamanga as he considered his words. I have to do this, what the hell was he thinking, saying that to a woman? He wanted to scream, despicable, at the top of his voice. Indeed, using one's 
superior position to commit sexual harassment was the most despicable thing imaginable. But he had no choice. Indeed, he had to do this. As Mamanga convinced himself with all his strength, his composure, gradually, returned to him. Resuming the air of a proper ruler, he continued forcefully. That should be fine, right? It was not fine at all. In contrast to Mamanga's nervous request, Albedo seemed to be overflowing. With joy. She gave him a glittering smile. But of course, Mamanga-sama. Please, help yourself. Albedo straightened herself up, presenting her ample twin peaks for Mamanga's inspection. If he still had saliva, he would have swallowed several times by now. Her breasts swelled up through her dress. And now, he was going to touch them. On the other side of his abnormal tension and nervousness, a quiet, calm part of Mamanga's brain was observing his own actions. He noted how foolish he was, and wondered why he had thought of this, and why he was still going to follow through anyway. He sneaked a peek at Albedo, and found that her eyes were shining, jiggling. Her bosom as though to say hurry up and touch me. Not knowing whether it was because of excitement or embarrassment. Mamanga steadied his hands, with sheer force of will, steeled his resolve, and reached out. The first thing Mamanga felt was something hard under the dress, followed by a soft, yielding sensation, fua, ichaye. As Albedo moaned wetly, Mamanga completed yet another experiment. If his brain was normal, there were two possible explanations for his present situation. The first was that this was a nude morgue. That was to say, the moment. Yggdrasil had shut down, a new game, Yggdrasil 2, had immediately taken its place. However, in light of this experiment, the probability of that being the case was vanishingly small. This was because our 18 actions were strictly forbidden in these games. Who knew, perhaps even our 15 actions might be banned as well violators would be publicly listed on the game's official website, and their accounts would be deleted, or worse. Once the records of these are 18 actions were publicly released, they might be punished for damaging moral culture and thus violating the Social Order Maintenance Act. As such, most people would consider these acts off-limits. If they were still in a game world, the company should have made it impossible for players to do such things. If the GMs and the game companies were watching, they would have prevented Mamanga from performing lewd actions. However, there was no sign of any resistance or opposition. In addition, one of the fundamental rulings which pertained to Dmorks was that forcing a player to participate in a game without permission could be treated as a form of cyber-kidnapping. As such, forcing a player to test out a game in this manner was a prosecutable offense, especially if there was no way to force quit the game. It would not be unexpected for a company to receive fines or jail time for such things. If a situation arose where a player was not able to log out of the game, up to a week's worth of game activity could be stored in a legally mandated record which would make it easy to prosecute the company for their violations of the law. 
Therefore, if Mamanga did not report to work for a week, someone would have found it strange and come to his house to check on him. Then all the police would need to do was to access the records with a specialized console. And the problem would be solved. Which company would risk arrest or worse to commit a corporate crime like this? Of course, they could try to muddy the waters by saying this was a closed beta test for Yggdrasil 2-inch, or there were third-party programs used here. But in truth, such a risky matter would have no benefits at all for the game company. That being the case, the only answer for his present circumstances would be that a third party was doing something here, and it had nothing to do with the game company. If that was the case, he would need to throw out all his previous theories and think in other directions, otherwise he would never find the answer. The problem was that he had no idea where to start. And there was another possibility, the possibility that the virtual world had become reality, impossible. Mamanga promptly rejected that idea. How could such an illogical, foolish thing happen? But on the flip side, the more he thought about it, the more strongly he felt it was the right answer. And then, Mamanga remembered Albedo's scent. In accordance to the software legislation for virtual reality games, such games were not allowed to provide sensory data for smell and taste. Although, Idrisil had food and drink items, consuming them was little more than changing a value in the game system. In addition, the sense of touch was heavily limited in order to prevent confusion with the real world. These Limitations meant that VR systems were not very useful for the sex industry. However, none of these limitations were in effect now. Realizing these facts shocked Mamanga. Countless questions like, what about? Tomorrow's work, what'll happen if this keeps up, flashed through his mind, but then he cast them all to the back of his mind. If this virtual world is just a simulation of the real world, then the quantity of data involved must be unimaginable. Mamanga swallowed with a non-existent throat, though his mind could not comprehend the situation, his heart could. His hands finally left Albedo's ample bosom. He realized that he had been groping her for a long time, but Mamanga justified it to himself by saying that he had no choice but to grope her for that long, and it was definitely not because squeezing her supple flesh felt so good that he reluctantly let go of her, or something. Sorry, Albedo. Fua. A sensual moan came from the red-faced Albedo, and he could practically feel her body heat raising the surrounding temperature. After that, she shyly asked Mamanga, Will I have my first time here? Mamanga was caught off guard by her question, and before he could think. Clearly, he replied. Eh? His mind was suddenly frozen, and was unable to parse her question, first time? What's that? What's this all about? And why does she look so shy? May I ask how you YSH to dispose of my clothes? Wah. Would it be better if I disrobed myself? Or would you like to unwrap me? Mamangasama? Or if we did it while I was wearing the dress, afterwards, it would get dirty, no. If you want me to wear this dress, I have no objections. 
Mamanga-sama. His brain finally managed to make sense of Albedo's words. Although, whether there really was a brain under that skull remained to be seen. As Mamanga realized why Albedo had this reaction, an immense struggle took place within himself before he finally said, Enough, that's all for now, Albedo. Eh? I understand. Now is not the time for, no, there's no time for that sort of thing. My, my apologies. I allowed myself to be ruled by my desires, despite the urgency of the situation. With a swift movement, Albedo made to genuflect an apology, but Mamanga stopped her. No, all this is my fault. I forgive you, Albedo. But other than this, I have an order. Please give me any command you desire. Tell the guardians of each floor, with the exception of the fourth and the eighth floors, to meet at the Colosseum on the sixth floor in an hour's time. I will contact Aura and Mare myself, so there is no need to inform them. Understood. Allow me to repeat the order, aside from Aura and Mare of the sixth floor. I am to inform all the floor guardians to meet one hour later at the Colosseum. Correct. Go. Yes. Albedo swiftly departed the throne room. As he watched the retreating Albedo, Mamanga let himself sigh, in a way that suggested he was thoroughly exhausted. Once she left the throne room, Mamanga groaned painfully. Oh, what have I done? It was supposed to be a silly joke. If I'd known, I wouldn't have done it. I've I've slowed the NPC, Tabulus Maragdina-san. Created. When he thought about it, there was only one reason why Albedo would react, like she had. It must have been when he was editing her backstory, and changed that line to. She is in love with Mamanga. That must have been why she acted that way. Ah, uh, shit. Mamanga muttered to himself, thinking about how Tabulus Maragdina had painstakingly created his masterpiece Albedo out of whole cloth, and then someone else had splashed paint all over his work at will, and now she had become like this. The knowledge that he had ruined someone else's hard work made him feel miserable. However, the frowning Mamanga, although it could not be seen because he was a skeleton, eventually rose from the throne. Mamanga told himself that he had to leave this at the back of his mind. After the important things were taken care of, he could agonize over it later. Overlord Volume 1 Chapter 2 Floor Guardians Part 1 To me, Demons of the Lemigitan The golems made of rare metals heeded Mamanga's command and moved before him with an agility that belied their heavy bodies, then took the ready stance they had assumed earlier, now that Mamanga had decided to go with his theory that virtual reality had become reality, his first concern was to guarantee his own safety. Although the NPCs he had met so far had readily obeyed him, there was no guarantee that the others he met would react in the same way. Also, even if they were all Friendly, he did not know when danger would next appear. Mamanga's life and death hinged on whether or not he could use such things. 
as Nazarick's facilities, the golems, his items, his magic, and so on. Well, that's one problem solved, Mamanga muttered to himself in relief as he looked at the golems. He then ordered them only to listen to him. That way, even in the worst-case scenario, if one or more NPCs revolted, he would have an ace in the hole. Mamanga, satisfied with the mighty-looking golems, looked down at his bony hands. He wore nine rings on his ten fingers, and only his left ring finger was bare. In Yggdrasil, most of the time one could only wear two rings, one on each hand. However, Mamanga had used permanent cash items, which were very expensive, to let him wear a full ten rings, one on each finger, and use all their powers at once. This was not unique to Mamanga, most players who valued power would spend that money too. One of the nine rings Mamanga wore had an emblem on it which resembled the symbol embroidered onto the large red banner behind the throne. That ring was called the Ring of Ain's Old Gown. Every member of Ain's Old Gown possessed the magic ring that Mamanga wore on his right ring finger. Although he could use the power of ten rings at once with the aid of cash, Items, when he applied the cash item, he had to decide which ring he wanted to assign to which finger, and that decision was irrevocable. Even so, Mamanga had removed the ring on his left ring finger and sent it to the treasury. The reason why Mamanga had assigned that somewhat weaker ring to that finger was because it would be very useful under certain circumstances, but he rarely wore it because it had a constant effect. The power of the ring of Ain's old gown was unlimited teleportation between named rooms of the great underground tomb of Nazarick, and it would even allow one to teleport into the tomb from the outside. Since Nazarick was warded to block teleportation into or within itself, except for a few specific areas, this ring was very handy. The only places where this ring could not teleport its wearer was to the throne room and the various guild members' personal rooms. This ring was also required to enter the treasury, which was why he could not do without it. Mamanga sighed deeply. After this, he would be using the ring's power. He was not sure if the ring could still do everything he expected of it, but he had no choice except to test it out. As he unleashed the ring's power, the world before him instantly turned black. Right after that, the scenery in front of him changed, and his surroundings were now a dark tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, he could see what looked like a giant lowered portcullis. Within the tunnel were artificial lights. It worked. Mamanga muttered to himself, relieved at the successful teleport. He walked down the wide and high passage, toward the portcullis ahead of him. The stone floor amplified the sound of Mamanga's footsteps, and at times he could hear echoes. The torches that lined the tunnel flickered constantly, and as a result, the shadows they made seemed to dance. Bathed in the light of several torches, he cast several shadows at once, and it seemed as though there were multiple Mamangas. What passed for his nose should have been little more than an empty hole in his skull but yet he smelled something as he drew near the portcullis. Mamanga stopped and took a deep breath. It was a strong scent of earth and, 
grass, the smell of the jungle. Much like his encounter with Albedo just now, the intensely realistic scent, in a world that should not have possessed such things, only convinced Mamanga of the reality of the world he was in. But how did his body breathe, without lungs or a windpipe? Mamanga felt that thinking too much about such things was foolish, and put it aside. As though it sensed Mamanga approaching, the portcullis swiftly raised itself into the ceiling at just the right moment to let him through. Past the barrier. What Mamanga saw was a circular arena, surrounded on all sides by many tiers of audience seats. The Colosseum was oval in shape, 180 meters on its long axis and 150 meters on the short axis. It was 40 meters tall and modeled after the arenas of the Roman Empire. Continual light, spells were cast everywhere, illuminating the grounds in white light, so one could observe the entire Colosseum like it was day. The audience was composed of many clay dolls, golems, in other words, which showed no sign of activity. In this Colosseum, the intruders would be the stars of the show, while the ones watching from the VIP box would be members of Ain's old gown, the Main event, of course, would be a brutal melee. Apart from the 1,500-man invasion, every single invader had met their end here. Mamanga walked into the center of the arena and looked into the sky. What he saw was a black expanse of night sky. Perhaps he might have been able to see the stars if there were no light around him. However, this place was the sixth floor of the great underground tomb of Nazareth, so the sky there was merely a virtual imitation. Even that imitation required a massive amount of data, but as a result the sky here could change with the time of day, even showing an actual sun with appropriate daylight effects. Mamanga could relax himself in this virtual landscape, because Mamanga's heart remained that of a human, as opposed to his skeletal appearance. It was also because he felt a sense of appreciation for his comrade's hard work in building this place. Part of him wanted to just wait and space out here, but the present situation denied him that luxury. Mamanga looked around, nobody was there. The twins should have been minding this place, he noticed something. Two. After the shout, a figure leapt from the VIP box. The figure jumped down from a height of about six stories, somersaulted in midair, and landed as though it were a butterfly, descending on a flower. There was no magic involved, only pure physical prowess. It negated the force of the impact with a simple flexing of the knees, and it smiled broadly. V. It made a V sign of victory. A child of about eleven had descended from above. Her face bore a smile that was as bright as the sun. She was adorable, with the androgynous appeal of both a boy and a girl. Her hair resembled threads of spun gold, and it grazed her shoulders. The light reflected off the strands of hair resembled an angel's halo. Her mismatched eyes, one blue, one red, seemed as eager and sparkly as a puppy's. Her ears were long, and his skin was dark. She was a dark elf, a species related to forest elves. She wore a shirt of light leather armor, 
reinforced with red dragon scales. The emblem of Ayn's old gown was proudly displayed on her vest, stitched in, gold onto a white background. Below that, she wore a pair of white pants, matching her vest. A necklace with a glittering golden acorn pendant hung from her neck, and she wore a pair of gloves reinforced with plates of enchanted metal. A whip coiled across her waist and right shoulder, and there was a longbow on her back. The bowstave and grip seemed to be covered in strange decorations. Aura, is it? Mamanga spoke the name of the dark elf child. He was addressing the guardian of the sixth floor of the great underground tomb of Nazareth, Aurabella Fiora. She was a skirmisher who was also able to summon and tame beasts. Aura jogged over to Mamanga. Well, to her, it was a jogging pace, but she was traveling as fast as one of his beasts at full speed, rapidly closing the distance between them. Aura screeched to a halt. Her running shoes had a hurricane metal plates on the soles, and they threw up clouds of dust as they ground against the floor of the arena. The clouds did not touch Mamanga's body, if she had planned that, then his skills must have been impressive indeed. Hugh, Aura was not sweating, but yet she wiped her forehead theatrically. Then, with a puppy-like smile, she greeted Mamanga. Welcome, Mamanga-sama. Welcome to the level I guard. The greeting was filled with the same respect that Albedo, Seabass, and the maids had for him, but for some reason it felt more intimate. To Mamanga. This intimacy allowed him to loosen up. Being too uptight and scary was quite troublesome for Mamanga, who was not experienced with this sort of thing. He could not detect any hostility on Aura's face, and his enemy scan revealed nothing. Mamanga's line of sight left the band on his right wrist and he loosened his grip on the staff of Ainzel gown. He had planned to strike hard and fade away if an emergency occurred, but it seemed as though there would be no need for that. Mm. I'll be intruding for a while. What are you saying, you are the master of Nazarek, the supreme overlord? Right, Mamanga-sama? There's no place you'd be intruding if you visited. I see, speaking of which, if you're here, Mare. Upon hearing Mamanga's question, Aura blinked in surprise, as though she had realized some great truth and turned around, shouting loudly upward. Mamanga-sama has graced us with his presence. How rude are you going to be by not showing your face to him? There was movement in the shadows of the VIP box. Was Mare there too? Yes, that's right, Mamanga-sama. He's really timid. Oi, jump down here. Now. An almost inaudible reply came from the VIP box. Judging by the distance. Between there and here, it was a miracle the other party could even hear Aura. However, that miracle was the result of the magic on Aura's necklace. I, I can't, Wenichan. Aura took a deep breath and grabbed her head. He, he. Mamanga-sama, he's just scared, he's definitely not trying to insult. You. As a member of society, one had to know when to speak one's heart and when. To say things that were appropriate for the occasion. Mamanga nodded and. Answered in a gentle way to put Aura at ease.
Of course, Aura. I have never doubted your loyalty. Aura sighed in relief, and then she became serious again before shouting. Angrily at the VIP box. The Supreme Being Ain Sama has come to visit us, but you as a floor. Guardian aren't even here to meet him. You should know how disrespectful. That is. If you're too scared to jump down, maybe a quick kick will substitute. For courage. You you you. I'll take the stairs down. How long do you want Ain Sama to wait? Get over here now. I, I got it, E-E-I-A-A. Mare had gathered up his courage, but his voice still seemed unsteady. After that, a figure jumped out of the VIP box. As expected, it was a dark elf. This dark elf was particularly wobbly on his feet, completely different from how Aura had handled her landing. However, he did not seem to be hurt. He must have skillfully dissipated the force of landing with some athletic trick. After that, he immediately began running over as quickly as he could. However, his top speed was still much slower than Aura. She must have thought so too, because she frowned and shouted. Hurry up. Why yes. The child who finally arrived in front of Ains looked almost identical to Aura. They had to be twins, given the way they shared the same hair, the same eyes, and the same features. However, if Aura was the sun, then Mare was the moon. He looked nervous, as though he was afraid of being scolded. Mamanga was surprised by the stark difference between the two. However, from what Mamanga knew, Mare should not have been like this. Even if one wrote a long character description for their NPCs, it would not be reflected in their personalities. Yet, these two dark elf children were displaying animated emotions in front of Mamanga. They must be the aura and mare that Bukubukagama-sen wanted to. See, Bukubukagama was the guild member who had designed these two dark elf characters. If only she could have been here for this. I, I'm sorry I kept you waiting, Mamanga-sama. He nervously raised his eyes to peek at Mamanga. He wore a vest of blue dragon scales, and a small cape that was as green as jungle leaves. His clothes had the same basic white color as Aura, but a short section of flesh peeked out below his short skirt. It was short because the rest of his legs were covered in white silk stockings. He had an acorn-shaped pendant on a necklace like Aura, but his was made of silver. Mare was much more lightly armed than Aura, with a pair of lustrous white gloves on his dainty little hands, and a gnarled black staff in his hands. Mare Bello Fiori. Like Aura, he was a guardian of the sixth floor of the Great Underground. Tomb of Nazarick. Mamanga squinted, though his eyes were merely empty sockets, and looked at them. Aura thrust her chest forward proudly, while Mare, simply, cowered under Mamanga's gaze. He nodded several times, musing that the two of them were indeed the incarnation of his comrade's hard work. I'm glad to see that the two of you are in good spirits. I'm positively overflowing with energy, although it's been a bit boring. Recently. It would be nice if we had an intruder or two. I, I would rather not have to meet intruders, they, they're scary. 
After hearing Mare's words, Aura's expression changed. Huh. Mamanga-sama, please excuse me for a while. Mare, come with me.